Hello? Hello? Hello, Cliffy? Cliffy, it's on the lift, Cliff. Cliffy? It's podcast time. And now, the Birthday Boy Podcast. Full stick of butter. Cliffy, it's Grandma Cliff. Cliff, give me a call at your convenience, okay? Cliff, this is your Uncle Cliff, Cliff. Here's the host of Birthday Boy Podcast. The one and the only, Johnny Boy. My little baby boy. Baby butter boy. Womack style. Cliffy. I love you. Toggling your balls. Toggling your balls. Where's the rodeo? Uh, toggling his balls. I like your boots. Just below your nipple. Where are you headed? The biggest one yet. Toggle your balls. Toggling your balls. Fifty shades of gray. Slack, Cliffy. The biggest one yet. Cliffy. Oh my god. Hey there, teacher. It's going to be outrageous. What's my assignment? Your grandmother. I like your rubric. Great Donnell Winslow. Oh, please. Decrade me. Cliffy Baseball. With this. My little baby butter boy, little butter boy, clippy boy, baby boy. Sweet this. That's how you get blisters, Clippy. That's how you get blisters. Womack style. That sure tastes delicious. In my mouth. Hey, firewoman. Bibleopoly, Cliff. Where's the fire? Puzzle, your balls. You're a smoker. The oatmeal tasting booth. Toggling your balls. Toggle your balls. Baby Butter Boy. The biggest and the best. You goddamn Butter Boy, son of a bitch. I can't get out of fuck of you, son of a bitch. To the Womack family holiday spectacular. Your grandmother just told me the good news. Or as we like to call it, the pizzle. Hellman's mayonnaise. The raucous red glare, the bombs bursting in air, and a delicious Helios pizza in your oven. Womack style. Woodstock 99, man. (laughs) I feel like it's enough. How much more can you talk about this thing? I'd guess a lot. (laughs) The 20-year anniversary would have been three years ago, which I... I believe I talked about it on the podcast then. I did. I don't believe I know it for a fact I did. <clears throat> and it's available. Go back to 2019, somewhere in there. There's a Woodstock 99 <laughs> recap on the 20-year-ish anniversary. <coughs> uh, still some lingering COVID. But as you can tell, I'm not, I'm not sounding like this... Uh, like I was last week and, uh, th- and through the weekend and all that good fun stuff. Really fun. Um, anyway, so I, Woodstock, I'm talking about it because 
last year, we talked about it three years ago on the 20-year anniversary of Woodstock here on the Birthday Boy Podcast. And then we talked about it last year because somebody, I don't even remember, was it HBO? There was a Woodstock documentary. I feel like it was on HBO Max or something. And so I watched that and then I gave, you know, added to it a little bit. And then, and now Netflix has a documentary that just came out a few weeks ago, a month ago. I don't know. And I was kind of like, yeah, I think I'm going to skip it. I'm kind of burnt out on the Woodstock 90. I mean, Jesus Christ. Like, yeah, it's, it was a, you know, it happened and it's a million years ago. And it's, you know, it's a, it's, it's infamous. It's going to, uh, it's gonna live in, in in infamy. It's a <laughs> it's a legendary event, uh, the likes of which I think will never happen again. Uh, pretty much, pretty much after that weekend, they stopped. They're like, okay, uh, we're not gonna have any more Woodstocks, and we're also gonna just, you know, this whole like sleeping in tents festival thing. Like, nah, we'll have festivals. And you go to them in the morning and you stay and you watch the music all day and into the night and then it's over and then you go home. <laughs> go back to a hotel or go somewhere. Don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. And then come back tomorrow for more music if you want to, if you want to buy tickets. for. T- and that was the thing too. Like, It's interesting because you know I think of like a, a Boston Calling type of thing. I would assume like Glastonbury and those big – those big like festival things really you know they don't seem to happen they seem to be all over in the uk but i i don't know i don't i don't pay too much attention to it uh because that was because i also after woodstock 99 i said to myself no matter what they could they could come back with woodstock 99 part two in a month they could come back in a year they could come back in five years 10 years whatever it is I won't be there <laughs> unless it is very, very different from what they have presented this weekend. It was a once in a life. I mean, literally, it's truly a once in a lifetime thing. Uh, and I'm very glad that I went. It was, yes, it, the, the look, I'm just like some dude. And all I cared about during that weekend was like, okay, can we, can we smoke some weed? <laughs> and how long is the line to get pizza and a bottle of water? And, uh, you know, as I've mentioned before, the two geniuses that we are, Shimo and myself, uh, we, packed our, uh, we packed our survival kit, um, our, our, you know, and we had, we had tents and we had cots and we had first aid kits and we had water and we had... None of that stuff. We we had I've mentioned before. We showed up to Woodstock '99 with uh, a tarp to sleep on and two pillows. We thought, well, it's hot out. I mean, do we really need blankets? No, we a tarp so we don't get like super dirty, and uh, pillows to to lay our weary heads. <laughs> On upon which to lay our weary heads, um, and as I mentioned, I think between the two of us, we brought somewhere between six and eight lunchables, 
which was supposed to be our food supply for the weekend. I think it's interesting. They're talking about like, oh, they took – so this thing called Trainwreck, it's a Netflix documentary on Woodstock. And I said, I'm not watching it. Shimo texted me a few weeks ago. He was watching it. He said, yeah, I watched it. It's, you know, nothing new. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, what what new spin can they have on it? Like – it was very expensive. It was insanely, unbelievably, oh my gosh, I'm inside an oven hot the whole time. There was a ton of music. Many of the biggest acts of that time were there. There were a ton of people. And uh, by the time it was over, people were really pissed off. And, and I kind of appreciate the Netflix one because the HBO one or whatever the other one was is like, yeah, all the white dudes <laughs> got stirred up into a riot thanks entirely to Fred Durst, which I think is like – and this the Netflix one still talks about, you know, oh, Fred Durst, Fred Durst. I'm like – Fred Durst, I think, whatever about Fred Durst, but uh, at no point, any of my anger that whole weekend, there was no point where I said, you know, I was pretty happy, and I heard that Fred Durst come out and talk about breaking stuff, and now I'm really, really angry, and I'm a white dude, and I should get my way, and I'm going to try, no, nobody, look, the only time people were, uh, you know, <laughs> motivated to be assholes, courtesy of Fred Durst, was when they were listening to Limp Biscuit perform live. And they're doing the usual shit that would have happened at Woodstock, that would have happened at Madison Square Garden, that would have happened at any festival, any arena, any stadium, wherever the hell he was playing. I'm guessing if you went back and found Limp Biscuit concert footage from that era, You'd find a bunch of assholes banging and smashing around in the pit, in the mosh pit, doing all that bullshit that they were doing during that concert. That had nothing to do with anything as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but they still, and that stupid asshole, that, uh, the fuck is his name? Sure. The guy who, uh, you know, the guy who put the whole thing uh, along with the other... Well, this Fred Durst and I have never done this in my life, and I pulled the plug on Fred Durst because it was too out of control. Oh, get out of here. Fred Durst. Yes, Fred Durst caused all the... No, I, I like that the Netflix one... So anyway, as I was saying, I wasn't going to watch it. You know, Shima watched it. He said, yeah, nothing really new, but still interesting. I said, yeah, I'm... I don't think I'm going to watch this one. I'm kind of like... I'm kind of woodstocked out. <laughs> you know, it's been 23 years at this point. And, you know, talked about it a lot in, in those 23 years. I've talked about it, I feel like, at great length in the last three years. I thought, okay, 2019 is a good time to talk because it was a 20-year anniversary. And uh, and now I'm kind of like, uh, another documentary, okay. It was sort of like, you know, they had that first, that fire festival a couple years ago that came out and I can't remember it was the good one was on Hulu and the crappy one was on Netflix or vice versa. I don't remember, but there was a good one and there was a, yeah, this is pretty much just not, it's a 
crappier version of the other one. I watched them both because I thought it was interesting. And then I said, okay, that's it. I don't care about uh, Fire Festival ever again. I don't need to hear about it ever again. By the way, that was a good attempt at trying to get, like, uh, you know, people to be able to... That had good intentions. Not really, but in the sense that, like, okay, Woodstock was like, all right, bring your tents and you sleep here. It's going to be a three-day concert that you just... You're just going to live at the three-day concert, which is really an insane thing when you do think about it. And obviously, you know, the logistics of all that, the infrastructure to support it, zero people, I would think, would be surprised that it turned out, Woodstock 99 turned out the way that it did. Um so not limp biscuits fault or the you know whatever but uh anyway so i was like i said i'm like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna watch this and then last week my wife was just lying in bed and she was watching it you know we all had covid i'm in the middle of work and she's just trying to sleep it all off and rest and she was wide and i came in and i caught a few minutes and i was like oh god damn it i'm gonna go i'm gonna watch this because it had like, oh, you know, they're they're actually interviewing, you know, a lot of the artists who were there. Um, you know, it's it's hearing people that weren't on the previous documentaries. Not that I'm all that interested to hear what Gavin Rosdale has to say about anything, but um. Anyway, so I'm I'm in the I'm on the third act. I haven't finished it. But I, there are a couple of things that stuck out. It's really funny to me. And the first one was there's a woman talking about how she, how she got trench mouth, which is such a disgust. I mean, you can like, you you kind of get like a visual just by saying trench mouth. Like, oh, that sounds gross. I don't know exactly what it is, but it sounds disgusting. Uh, and and she was talking about it because they were showing the. Uh, the communal water fountain area where you could just go and, you know, there was kind of like a circular trough kind of thing. And then in then a fountain of just water, you know, kind of spritzing out of it, shooting out of it. And you go and, you you know, I'd hold my water bottle up and the water would, you know, we just pour the water in and like, okay, now I got water and I didn't have to pay $4 for it. That's good. Because I don't know how many more $4 bottles of water 19-year-old me in 1999 can afford when they're normally like 60 or 70 cents <laughs> at a gas station. And, uh, yeah, um, she was talking about, yeah, she got trench mouth because she was drinking that water. And the water had feces in it and blah, 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 blah. Now, I remember one of my – I have several very – very vivid memories of Woodstock of that weekend. A lot of it's a blur. Uh, a lot of it's like, uh, yeah, I just, you know, I, there were a lot of, I mean, I had to go and look at the set list and I was like, wow, that they were there. Oh yeah, I guess they were. Yeah. Okay. There's just so much shit that, you know, whatever. And I also remember I spent a lot of that weekend, uh, <laughs> agonizing over some e- some pending eBay purchases, some pe- some eBay auctions that I had placed some bids on for some uh, Transformer, <laughs> for some old Transformer toys and uh, some wrestling figures that had eluded me all these years. And so I was like, yeah, shit, I hope, uh, 
God, I wish they, I wish they had set up like a, like some kind of internet station here at Woodstock so I could go check my eBay, make sure that nobody's outbidding me. Oh my God. That was like, that was like my big thought <laughs> during, during that time. Um, so anyways, but I, one of the very vivid memories that I have is after a number of purchases of $4 bottles of water, I find, I, you know, it's like, okay, I can't, you know, this is getting real expensive real fast. Uh, I'm just going to fill up my water at the, uh, at the thing here, at the fountain. Like, why would I, why go pay for water? They've got perfectly good free water just pouring into this communal fucking pool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> where all these kids and their hands are dipping their bottles in and, you know, and I, oh, I, I remember uh, taking that first swig after I, the first time I filled my bottle up with water on a Saturday, probably. Uh, I don't know, or Friday afternoon. I, I really don't know. I really, for all the things that I'm good at remembering, like the timeline of Woodstock I've, is very difficult. Probably because it was so fucking hot, I just couldn't. I couldn't wait to get out of there. Even though I was enjoying the music and and all that stuff, I was like, okay. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> so I took that first swig after the first time I filled my bottle with that water from the fountain. And I almost threw up. <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating. I remember taking that big gulp. And I was just like, and it was a long, right? And like my taste buds had not, it took a few seconds for my brain to get the message. And once it did, I was just like, and it was, it was so vile. And I really, I was like, oh my God, I just, I feel like I'm drinking, like, I don't know. I feel like I'm drinking farts. <laughs> and and at the time, I said, oh, you know, it's probably gross because, like, you know, if, if people are, like, dipping their water bottles in, so you got, like, I don't know, there's spit and saliva in their hands and just it's kind of gross. So I said, yeah, I guess that's why it tastes like this. That's not so great, but... I think I continue to... I don't even remember. I, I, there's there's half of me that thinks I just dumped it out and said, fuck it, I'll just, I'll just be dehydrated. And then there was another half of me that remembers like, you know what, I'm just gonna... I'll just drink it. I won't like it, but it is water. Uh, but I also didn't get trench mouth, so I, I, don't, I don't recall drinking much of that fountain water. Uh, I, I feel like maybe what I did was go and purchase... Uh, purchase a water and then just took like a small sip every hour. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, uh, then when I watched, this was not in last year's documentary on the Netflix one, when they're talking about how the local health inspector every night would, you know, they'd sample the water, make sure it was clean. And then they took a bunch of samples <laughs> and put them in their little petri dish dishes and left them overnight and then came back the next day and said that before they even looked at the petri dish petri dishes the stench was like overpowering 
And I totally believe that because I remember the taste of that water. I remember the stink of that water and thinking like, okay, well, it's either this or pay $4. So I guess I'll just drink this shit water. Of course, I, I didn't, I was too naive. I didn't think it was shit water. I thought, well, I get it. It's pretty gross. And then, and then as I continue to think about it, it's like, oh my God, what if people were like, you know, they're too impatient for the shower and they're bathing in this thing, which is, yeah, that's, as you see the footage and the thing, it's like, yeah, they were bathing in this. And, uh, so that really, I, I was watching her last night and he's talking about, yeah, so we, we, we the health inspector's talking about, well, yeah, we took the, took the sample and put it in the thing and then came back to the office the next day, came back to the lab the next day, opened up the door uh, to go see what the Petri dishes look like and the smell was overwhelming, just so disgusting. And then, uh, yeah, then all the Petri dishes, all of the water samples uh, had, you know, fecal, were just, it's just shit water. Let's just, it's shit water. So when I think about it now, it almost makes me gag because I can, I can recall the taste. I re- can recall the sense. There's no way after I took those first few sips, I, I mean, I just was like, Ugh, I'm like gagging now. <laughs> but I just thought, yeah, I can't, I'm not going to, I'm just, I'll just be dehydrated or, or whatever. Uh, so, so seeing that on the documentary really put a whole new layer of disgusting on, on that memory of these guys testing it and saying like, yeah, it's basically just a bunch of feces in that drinking water. (laughs) Oh, cool. Um, and then watching the footage of the people outside of the porta potties sliding around in the mud and like, yeah, dude, (laughs) Oh my god! It's a mud party, dudes. <laughs> As kids in nineteen ninety nine talked like, uh, <laughs> Calabunga dudes surfs up. <laughs> Everybody in nineteen ninety nine, we all talked like Michelangelo from the Ninja Turtles. Oh, but uh, it shows the footage like, yeah, man, <laughs> mud surf, mud slide, whatever you fucking uh, mud swimming, ah, mud slide, uh. and it's like, dude, all that, all that, uh, it's making me, all that muddy water, quote mud. Uh, yeah, sure, there's a, it's, it's, I guess it's mud in the academic sense. Uh, but you realize, like, you're, you're. You're swimming and surfing, body surfing, sliding face first into the mud that is literally between the porta potties. What do you think you are sliding around in? Oh, you, you're not thinking because everybody's just fucking stoned out of their mind, drunk out of their fucking gourd. <laughs> yeah. But I do remember, I do remember that. Uh, and how muddy and all that stuff and thinking like, wow, man, that's not like, I, I get it. They're kind of trying to recreate <laughs> like the other, the other Woodstocks where it was, you know, there was some rain and the dirt actually, it was actual mud, which is still pretty gross. But, um, you know, it wasn't feces water per se. And I remember thinking, yeah, these fucking guys, are they're just sliding around in shit. Like, how do they not know that they're just sliding around in shit? disgusting and you'd see you know and then you'd see later on like throughout the rest of the weekend you'd just see guy people with like you know mud dry quote mud 
caked to their face and their chest and whatever. And you're like, oh, my God, that's just poop. It's just like a poop man walking around, poop face. Yay. <laughs> Between that and as I've, as I've described before, one of, the, one, one of the other vivid memories, which was partially a happy memory, partially not so happy, was sitting down uh, with these girls that we met and we became fast friends with them because they had Pringles chips and they had snacks and they had, oh my God, you guys have food? Can I have a Pringle? And she was, they're very nice, very sweet girls. And they're like, yeah, sure. And I had a Pringle and then I took another and another and another. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm eating all your Pringles, but I don't care. I'm so hungry. <laughs> because it, it's like a two-hour wait to get a slice of pizza for $90. That wasn't that much. It was like $87 for a slice of pizza. Ha <laughs> um, So, yeah, I mean, there wasn't a lot of eating. <laughs> wasn't a ton of drink. I mean, once we, once we plowed through those Lunchables <laughs> by the, on night one, like, okay, well, we did not plan very well for this at all did we <laughs> i mean it's just the stupidity is like wow man like we didn't even fucking but like i said before it worked out because as soon as we put our heads down on the pillow it started raining <laughs> like almost instantly as we as we got down on our tarp and put our heads down on the pillow and i'm just kind of lying there like all right this is this is actually kind of weird that we're just sleeping on this fucking thing. And then, oh, what was that? Oh, water. Let's look up at the sky here. It does look kind of cloudy and there's more drops and more drops. Okay. But thankfully, as I mentioned before on previous Woodstock-related episodes, we, we, and my, we, I mean, Joe was driving and, yeah, somehow, some way, we just got, like, an unbelievable parking spot that was super close to the entrance. I mean, as super close as you can be. Um, still a considerable walk, but I mean, it was the front of the parking lot, essentially. We could have had a lot more walking if we didn't find that spot. And uh, and so that worked out. So we slept in his car. I remember, you know, he sat in the front driver's seat. I sat in the front passenger seat, reclined. Uh, and you know, I would equate those nights of sleep to, um, any, any parents out there know what it's, you know what it's like, uh, you know, the first night in the hospital after, uh, after your, uh, child is born. That first night in the hospital where it's like, you know, you're not sleeping. And then obviously the first days, weeks, months, whatever it is. Anybody who's had newborn babies knows those nights of sleep. There's not a whole lot of sleeping. And whatever sleep you do manage to get is not going to be for very long. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of interruptions. And it's going to be really the quality of the sleep is going to be garbage. And that's what it was. So, you know, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday, three nights uh, sleeping in, in the car, which was still better than if we had a tent 
and it would have been 5,000 degrees inside this tent. And then, and then you got to, like, find where your tent is. At least we knew where the car was, like, in the park. Like, this is fairly easy. And uh, and, the, and the tent, uh, you know, so it ended, ended up working out. And occasionally, you know, we'd flip on the air conditioner and get cooled off. And then, and then, of course, around like around six o'clock or so, you'd wake up because the sun would already be beating down on your face. <laughs> oh man, I think in retrospect, that's the only thing is like maybe uh, you know what? But I wouldn't have done it. I was gonna say back t- pulling out of that parking space and then backing into it instead. But you know what? The risk of even like being out of that parking spot for a second would not have been worth it, so it, it's all good. But, uh, but man, oh man, yeah. So, so anyways, so that's and, and my point is, okay. Limp Biscuit sang a song about breaking stuff. That song's impact on the events that happened at Woodstock is pretty much non-existent as far as I'm concerned. Despite what the, you know, that fucking asshole, sure, would, uh, would have you believe. Oh, it was Fred Durst and his, his wild rock and roll new metal antics. Oh, shut up. Because you know who else uh, had wild, cra- like every band there. You had fucking, you had Limp Biscuit, and you had Kid Rock, and you had Metallica, and you had Corn, and you had Rage Against the Machine, just to name a few. <laughs> like, insane clown posse. I mean, like, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, there's, you know, people are going to go crazy for just one of those bands. I think those are, you know, those are not, those are not easy. You're not going to hear any of those bands, I don't think, um, playing in your dentist's office, you know, then you're going to be piped into the psychiatrist's uh, waiting room. <laughs> a little corn, a little corn to just soothe you uh, <laughs> before you go in and talk about your anxiety and your stress and uh, all that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, but again, yeah, I mean, in the sense that, like, fans of that music are probably, you know, they want to party, they want to drink, they want to smoke weed, do drugs, you know, all, all the crazy stuff, uh, teens and t- early 20s, you know, that kind of thing. And, yeah, so, of course, you're going to have that element. But you know what? You could have put anybody in that weekend, in that stupid air base thing for three days and not to say that everyone, you know, if it was like three days of Lilith Fair, do I would they have burnt down the place? I not likely. But I also feel like Lilith Fair, you know, I feel like Sarah McLaughlin would have been like, hey, you know, maybe don't maybe don't charge four dollars for a water. <laughs> that would have been. That's actually kind of a funny premise to me. Like if they had like. <laughs> If if Lilith Fair did like a three day Woodstock type thing, uh, and it, and the same shit happened, and it's <laughs> and it's just you know ninety five percent women, but they're doing all the same shit, just breaking everything, and obviously wouldn't have happened. But that kind of I think that's kind of a funny premise. What do I know? Uh, anyway, oh shit, I got like five minutes here.
Um, yeah, you had music that's very, you know, uh, whatever, high octane, sort of high adrenaline, uh, you know, uh, whatever, ragey, rebellion-y, blah, blah, blah. Um, not so much like, you know, 1969 with this, like, folk music and all that shit. Um, so, like, okay. <coughs> but you've got... <sighs> okay, you got all that stuff. But here's what you have that's actually causing people to want to fucking break everything and burn the place to the ground and throw trash everywhere and throw bottles up on stage and all that crap. You got... Uh, tickets that were whatever, one hundred and sixty-five dollars or something like that. Okay, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money now. It was a lot of money then. If you're nineteen, if you're like a freshman in college, <laughs> uh, that's that's really a lot of money. <laughs> that could be like a week's pay, you know, for some of us retail people, or you know, it, it's it's no. It's no joke. It's no small sum. So you got that. And you got the fact that you can't bring your water in. And, okay, well, you, that's all right. You buy some water. Oh, but we need money. Okay, we'll go to the ATM. The ATM is uh, the longest. They talk about the porta potty lines and all that stuff. Sure. And the shower lines. Yes. I remember seeing lines for everything. Lots of lines. But I'll tell you, I remember that ATM line because they didn't have a hell of a lot of ATMs, and uh, that was that line was no joke either. So okay, you want something to eat? You got pizza and fried dough and fucking you know, <laughs> real good stuff. Good good stuff for a hot weather. You know, hydration. You know, good for your body. Um, it's just pizza. All I remember eating was pizza and that girl's Pringles. I don't know that I had anything else besides that. But uh, anyway, you, you get pizza. You got to wait a million miles long line to get pizza. Another million mile line to get to the ATM. And uh, and that was that sucked too because I didn't have a debit card at that point. <laughs> I didn't have an ATM card. Um, Shimo did. So like, and I brought... I brought a minimal amount of money because I fucking, just like most of us, uh, you know, bring in Lunchables. <laughs> I think we all underestimated what we were in store for. I think that's the thing. They didn't really tell you. Okay, you pay, you got your ticket. Now you're in, th- you get your little bracelet. You're in for three days of music. And, uh, shit, I got two minutes. <sighs> and you're waiting an hour and a half to get to the ATM. Then you're waiting an hour and a half to get a pizza or a water. And then you finally do get there. And it's like, holy shit, I just paid. I just somehow paid like, (laughs) we just somehow paid like 30 bucks and we each have a water and a slice of pizza. What the fuck? And, oh, we probably need to eat more than just this slice of pizza in the next three days. (laughs) Uh, uh, and so there's, and it's, uh, it's a hundred degrees. It's, I, I, I do remember just how hot that was and how hot that felt. And just like, oh my God, it's, I'm going to die. 
this is the worst. This is truly the worst. And there weren't any real places to get shit. I remember going into the – I forgot about the crappy. They had like a movie a movie theater for a screening. One of the one of the hangers was – you know, they had stupid films showing, which there were like 20 people in there because it's like who cares. But it was great because I didn't give a shit what they were playing on those movie screens. It was out of the sun – there wasn't a huge crowd of people in there and you could just you could I just remember yeah standing sitting on the on the ground inside that hangar while the movies were playing does anyone in this house no and I'm I'm speaking mainly about my kids not know how to close a cookie thing well you know what I can't do it either so I can't blame them anyway I got to go uh, but yeah, we cooled off in the fucking movie theater where they were playing shit movies that nobody cared about. But it was a great way to get in and get get cool. Or I, I don't know, cool is not the right word. Cooler than we had been a few seconds before that, I guess. Anyway, I gotta run. Ah, damn it. All right, we'll talk about this more in a little bit. I might just uh, pause this and then come back to it. Yeah, that's probably what I'll do. Okay, let's uh, let's pretend like we're taking a little uh, commercial break. <laughs> do, 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 do. We'll be back on the Birthday Boy podcast right after. I, I don't know. I don't know what I, when I'm going to resume this, but soon enough. And we'll talk more about Woodstock. And, and that's my only point, really. Maybe there's nothing left to say. You got a fucking, you have three days of no sleep, $4 water, expensive food, long lines, huge crowds, Horrible conditions, porta potties, disgusting water. The free water that's coming out of the fountain is disgusting, and now we know it's filled with fucking feces. Uh, so by the time we got to Sunday night, and and also we're talking about like, hey, is there a? There they did mention in this H in the Netflix thing like the surprise. Oh, well, Red Hot Chili Peppers is the last official act, but we'll see. We'll see what we have. Like, what kind of fucking. Only this Jerry Sure, whatever the fuck, I can never remember his name. Uh, only this asshole would be so stupid as to think that, like, okay, after Red Hot Chili Peppers, we're going to play a video of Jimi Hendrix. Won't that be a cool surprise? It's like Michael Scott uh, getting rid of the health insurance and then, like, well, don't worry, guys, we have a really big surprise. And then he comes in with, throws, with a bag of ice cream sandwiches. Which, frankly, I would have been much happier to get an ice cream sandwich than a video of Jimi Hendrix. Anyway, if you want to know why they burnt shit down and smashed walls and wrecked everything and littered and didn't give a fuck, it's because they price gouged the shit out of us. Total fucking greed. Total fucking bullshit. And, uh, and people were fed up with it. And they wrecked the place. Good for them. I didn't do it. I didn't take part in it. I'll tell you what, though, as a 42-year-old whose soul has now been crushed by the weight of the world, if I were there now, I'd be burning the shit out of that place, too. All right, got to go. Talk to you in a bit. See ya. Mm. So when I said talk to you in a bit, <laughs> I guess that really meant, sorry, I'm, I'm eating a cookie. Given, seeing how this is my podcast, I guess I could have just eaten a cookie. You know, it's not like I'm an actual radio guy and it's like, oh, we're back from commercial in three, two, you know. <clears throat> I could have just eaten a cookie and then hit record on the thing. <clears throat> oh, those are so good, man. 
the black and white cookies from BJ's. Ah, oh, oh, I love those. BJ's had a good bakery. I hate that they moved it to the back of the store. I hate that. Like there was just something so magical about walking into BJ's and just turning left, and there you don't have to walk that far. There's all the cookies and cakes and whatever the hell. And pastries and so anyway. They have a lot of crap too. There's a lot of stuff that's very similar to Shaw's cookies, and Shaw's cookies suck. Um yeah. Oh, oh brother. Mm. Black and white cookie at B. I mean, it's worth the membership just to get the black and white cookie at BJ's, I think. And it's they're mini they're smaller ones. And it's in like uh I don't know. Smaller cookies. It's a box of let's see, how many do we have here? Uh one, two, three, oh, twenty-four cookies. If I just read the label, it tells me. Twenty-four. Uh those things last about a day and a half around these parts. <laughs> uh I got some Hamantaschen, Hamantaschen, which are like, they're very, they're very buttery, very sort of rich, you know, they're just like the triangular sort of buttery, soft, buttery kind of, I would say probably, I don't know, and they have a little fruit in the middle, delicious, and then they move the bakery to the back of the store, and I get it, I totally understand from a strategy standpoint now you have to have you want a cookie you want baked goods okay you now have to walk past every single aisle and hopefully you'll see something oh well, i didn't know they had though i'll grab one of these oh yeah you know what eh, let me take one of these not this guy not this. the only thing you've done is instead of before where i was guaranteed to make a beeline for that bakery section at BJ's. Now I only hit up the bakery if I have to go to the back of the store. So I'm saving money. I'm spending less money at BJ's. So good job. Oh, you had some, you did some studies. Did you do some analyses? Hmm? Did you have, did you plug away at some models, some forecasts? Did you have some test runs? And it's well, sir. On average, if we move the baked goods to the back of the store, uh, the average customer is likely to spend fifty dollars more. Or some, you know, some bullshit that makes you know a dopey executive making millions. Like, oh, okay, let's do that. <laughs> I hate it, man. Costco—they—they they all switch their shit around. Sam's Club, I have no idea because we're relatively new members. I don't go into that one. I really just use it for the gas station. And I go into Sam, I mean, from the get-go, Sam's Club just confuses the shit out of me. It's like a weird shape. You know, Costco and BJ's, you have basically an aisle, you know, one, two, three. There's really like four aisles heading from front to back. And then there's a bunch of aisles, a dozen or so or whatever it is, that... uh, you know, intersect the four long aisles that take you from front to back of the store. Costco, same thing. BJ's Costco, it makes sense. It's just, it's a straight, you know, it's, it's, 
it's Manhattan, right? It's a grid. You go into Sam's Club and it's just like, wait, I'm, you walk right in and then you have to, you have to turn right and go in a weird sort of way. You're like corralled in this strange, strange path. And then you're just kind of in front of like just a shelf. And it's like, okay, so if I go to this way, what is that? What's down there? And it's just like, oh, that's that's dog food, soap, and motor oil, and juice. <laughs> I don't know. It, stuff just doesn't – it doesn't make any sense to me at Sam's Club. But I, I know where their bakery is, so I guess that's all I care about. I know where to get chips and baked goods. Isn't that what we're going to these places for anyway? At least that's what I'm going for. <sighs> but uh, – Costco just moved their shit around. It's like, come on, guys, what the fuck? Enough, enough with this. We gotta move the store around because the study tells us that we're miss. We're, we're instead of making millions and millions and millions of dollars, we could be making millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> hmm. So anyway. Uh, back to the Woodstock thing. I'm still not done with part for the third and final part. Uh, again, it's more stuff that I, you know, I didn't care about like the press conferences, the Michael Lang and John Shear. Now I have actually finally remembered their names after 20 some odd years. Uh, and, uh, Michael Lang just died after they filmed the, the Netflix thing. I didn't last year when the HBO one came out. I didn't hate Michael Lang as much. The Netflix has done a good job of really making making sure we know just how much of a schmuck that guy is too. May he rest in peace. Um, but he just you know he kind of just walked around and like that stupid grin on his face, <laughs> like yeah, I guess everything looks good here. Okay, and then they're talking about like the aftermath. He walks around the. The Vendor Village, as it was called. Um, and uh, and the one guy's like, oh, wow, and, you know, I was so excited. It's like, wow, you're Michael Lang. Oh, figured he was going to come, you know, make sure we were okay. You know, see if we needed help with anything, you know, just see how we were doing. And he just kind of stood there and he walked around a little bit and then he left. I'm like, yeah, I, I believe it. Because that's, that. I think that describes him in a nutshell. He's, uh, I, don't, I don't know, man, he, weird dude. They're both weird. And that, and that Sh- John Shear is the biggest piece of shit. And I'm, I'm honestly kind of, I, I think he is so lacking of any self-awareness whatsoever. And which is good because if I'm him, I don't go anywhere near those documentaries. Because as much of an asshole <laughs> as he looks like from old footage, he looks like an even bigger asshole with the new footage that he's recording for the documentary. He's just a piece of shit. And if you want to boil it down to why everybody fucking wrecked the place, those two fuckers, particularly John Shear. And, you know, I didn't really have a, a face or a name to put to anything. I just remember being mad at the fe- like wow they really fucking yeah they really turned this i mean where this is this is the 90s i mean here we are uh you know 
baby boomers went and had a nice Woodstock in the 60s, a nice peaceful, and they made food, and they gave out food, and it was like, ah, oh, this is this is really, truly a celebration of music and peace and friendship and all the bullshit. Peace and love. <laughs> um, and it was, uh, you know, rolling hills, pastures, farm, trees, grass. It's like, yeah, all right. And uh, and this one's on a fucking hot asphalt <laughs> runway in an airfield. And I mean, it's just it really is. It's it's a perfect culmination of of thirty years of. And yes, I'm about to shit on baby boomers again. Um, I know it's it's only because they've been in charge for the last <laughs> I don't even what last forty years. <coughs> And, uh, you know, not, not so much anymore, but still, yeah, you know, look at the, look at the current president, look at the last president, old 70 something year old baby boomers. Mm. Yay. How exciting. (laughs) Is Obama technically a baby? He's a youngster, but I think, I don't know. I don't, uh, he might be right on the cusp. Anyway, who cares? Uh, but it's like, yeah, they had this nice thing in the sixties and then they, uh, yeah. And then they did what they've done, you know, on a, this was just like a micro version of everything that's, that's happened, uh, up to that point from the sixties to the nineties, everything that like the greatest generation, the world war two generation, whatever you want to call them, everything that those guys built up. And said, you know, where you can, we can kind of, it doesn't have to all just be for us or one person or a small handful of people. It's like, you know, we're going to get you, you guys are going to come to work right out of college and you're going to get a pension. And after 30 years, you can retire and you got a nice pension and you can live comfortably and the houses are affordable and nobody's doing any, you know, the, the shady dealings are not nearly, and now it's like, and then the, you know, the baby boomers just kind of gobbled up everything. And there's so many of them. It's not necessarily like, it's not like I'm saying, oh, oh, the baby boomers is it's an evil generation. No, it's just a very, uh, there's just a large volume of that generation. There's a lot of them. So yeah, of course they're going to come in and buy houses for next to nothing and then you know make a sweet uh, amount of equity and they're going to they're going to know what it's like to have pensions and they're going to know what it's like to have affordable health care and they're going to know what it's like to be able to afford college to go to four years and not have to take out student loans or even if they did a minimal amount and uh and be able to, you know, go back a bunch of times for multiple degrees and all this stuff. And now everything's everything's so expensive and really, like, it hasn't really changed in the 20 years since Woodstock. It's only gotten worse. Look at the fucking cost of living now. There's no, I think officially there's now, there is not a single United State of the 50 states. There is not one where you could afford housing costs, rent, you know, whatever you want to, the average rent or the average mortgage, you cannot afford that on, I want to say minimum wage, but I think it's even, it's more than that. 
Eh, you know, and not to say that minimum wage is a, was like once upon a time this great thing, but yeah, the fact that it <laughs> the fact that it hasn't fucking changed, you know, since I was making minimum wage. I think it you know, when I was making minimum minimum wage was like five something an hour in 1998 and uh a few years later it went to whatever it is now 715, 725. And and then uh, fast forward 20-something years later, and it has now gone up to exactly the same number that I just said, whatever it was, whatever it was set to 20 fucking years ago or 15 years, whenever that was. I don't know, 2003, 2004, I don't know when it was, but it's still the same. <laughs> so, like, yeah. And look, look how angry everybody is just in general. Like, social media doesn't help. Uh, the pandemic didn't help the fucking division just, you know, of this country, everything, people just like going and I, and not going in two different directions. One group pretty much staying right where they were, but the other group has gone so far to the right of center that they think the people who are just a little bit left of center are, you know, the crazy lefties and all that stuff. Either way, is a lot of people just are kind of mad. And it all, to me, what does it stem from? For whatever, whatever political thing you're into, either way, we're all kind of, in, <clears throat> not kind of, we're all in the same boat. The difference is just who we blame it on. <laughs> like, there's a group of people who say, like, it's the minorities and the immigrants are doing and then there's me who's like, yeah, it's because to me, it's like, well, who else would it be but the previous generation? Because what have they been doing for the last 40 years, you know, like cutting down forests of trees to put up fucking condos and townhouses and apartments and developments and golf courses, you know, like golf courses look really nice. There's too many of them. You know who's out of the golf course? <laughs> retired people you know who's retired <laughs> baby boomers you know who was playing golf <laughs> and, and and building up those nice houses and knocking down those trees <laughs> the previous generation and uh you know is it is it 100 no please what i'm saying is not like every single baby boomer and they're the only reason that anything's bad no they're just a big population, and they had a pretty good gig as far as like, hey, you know, the cost of living versus the average wage versus like affordability of healthcare and college and getting a bachelor's degree was actually worth something once upon a time. And now it's not. I mean, you know, a couple maybe. Uh, and And really, you know, it's – there's a lot of stuff that – uh, that the that the youngsters and not even my general look, I'm not even talking about myself. I'm fucking fine, man. I'm doing, I'm doing better than most people my age, most people older than me. It's like it's pretty good. I am not, <laughs> I'm not sitting here doing a woe is me thing by any means. Am I pissed that shit costs a lot? Of course. Everybody is. 
no matter how much money you make, you're, you're always going to be. I just found out yesterday uh, that I'm going to be charged as a, as a vendor, as a supplier. Uh, there's going to be a new accounts payable system uh, that my, my client is switching to, which I, I knew that because I'm part of the project. And I knew that there were going to be, depending on what option, there were going to be fees that the supplier would incur. And I, really, I, I woke up at like 5.30 this morning, just pissed off just thinking about it. Like if I want to have the same, if I want to have direct deposit, just plain old ACH, uh, direct deposit into my account for the amount that I have invoiced, which is what I have now. I can still have that. And now it's going to cost me 1.2% of whatever my pay is for. So everything's staying the same, except now I have to pay, I don't know, a couple hundred dollars a month and it caps they cap it at three hundred, uh, you know, which is <laughs> okay. Yay! <laughs> You're never gonna have to pay more than three hundred dollars a month to get your money. And yeah, it's just it's very frustrating. Cause I'm like, okay. Plus, there's like a one dollar banking fee, or it's like this is the shit that I'm talking is fucking greed. And this is what I'm. This is where I'm getting to, and I'm not good at you know, getting to the point, obviously. And yes, I'm putting a whole lot of blame on baby boomers. Uh, Forget, I mean, yes, because they were, you know, they took a pretty good deal that their, that their parents and grandparents left, which was like, Hey, you know, like I said, housing is affordable. Cost of living is affordable. You can, that whole fucking 40 hour work week, which is, you know, and that's the thing we've kept, We've kept all the shitty aspects of, you know, once upon a time, and this is pre-baby boomer stuff, uh, but once upon a time, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, I guess. I don't know. It was it pro- probably, this probably came to an end, I would say, generally speaking. Uh, yeah, probably somewhere between, you know, 1980 and 2000 in that in that 20 years. And the thing that I'm referring to is the single... F- uh, income where, you know, typical family, uh, 2.5 kids, a dog and a cat, a nice little house, picket fence, nice yard, nice neighborhood, good school, reasonable commute. Uh, and, and dad gets up and he goes to work, two cars, dad takes the car to work. Mom has the car to run errands, take the kids to whatever. And, uh, and then dad comes home at 5 30 6 o'clock dinner's on the table all that stuff and the 40 hour work week is like it's like a (laughs) it is a it's an outdated thing and and a lot of a lot of the stuff that we have are kind of based off that like single uh you know single income mom has the flexibility but now but that's the but that's the crazy thing it's like now you can't afford to do that and you need two parents to be out working in general well, guess what? You want to have your kids in daycare? Oh, all right. I hope you have. <laughs> I hope you have like ten to thirty thousand dollars a year lying around, and that's why we were uh, one income for 
the last 12 years. Now the wife is out working. She doesn't have to. That's like she she can quit anytime. It's now a nice thing because as I've mentioned before, she gets the benefits. So I don't have to if I'm jumping from like one contract to a new contract and this and that. I don't have to worry about like, oh, what are the benefits looking like? I'm going to have to pay like $2,000 a month to get fucking <laughs> to get health care with like a $20,000 deductible and <laughs> like nothing in network. You know, unless I travel to fucking uh, Knoxville or something. Um, no, you don't have to worry about that. So that's a great thing. Um, but from 2010 until just a couple of years ago, uh, yeah, it was, it was my income because we, we moved to Florida and said, well, we could both work and put the kid in daycare and a, I don't want some other per, I don't want that. And B, what's the point of... <laughs> having two incomes if almost all of that second income is just going to go to daycare why not stay home with the kid so like a parent is home at all times at least one parent and as i said you can always you can always go back to work and make money your kids are young once and that's it so no regrets on that one uh and that's why i know i last week I had COVID. Now that makes you, that may, it just it, being sick, just for me anyways, it angers up the blood. I hate everything. I mean, more than usual, uh, everything makes me mad. And so I'm like, yeah, uh, as Nate asked me a couple of weeks ago, Hey, would you have, uh, excuse me, would you have, if you could go back, would you get your MBA? No, absolutely not. hundred percent. I, I don't say a hundred percent. Cause, uh, yeah, even though, it was way outside of my comfort zone and not exactly leading to things that I enjoyed doing from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. or or well beyond 5 p.m. on a daily basis. It's, uh, it has given me a lot. It took a while to get that ROI. That's a fancy business school term <laughs> um, that everybody knows, the return on investment. Uh but once he got there, it's like, okay. Like I I have the ability to – my income is enough and has been for yeah, over a decade. And the wife works because, you know, the kids are at school all day. I'll find something to do that's kind of the same hours, work at the school. It's not really about the money because they sure as hell don't pay them anything at the school. <laughs> uh it's just to, you know, be out and be a little bit social and, you know, and she enjoys it. She really likes what she does. And there's no real pressure in the sense of like it could come to an end tomorrow and it's like, well, that's okay because I'm still <laughs> I, I, I got us covered. Uh, so I'm lucky in that sense. And, and I'd say most of my friends who are my age, most of the people my age have done well, whether it was one income or two or whatever, uh, I don't think anybody. I don't. I don't know a lot of single income, but there's a few here and there, and everybody's good. You know, we all went to school. For some of us, it was like way more expensive than others. Uh, you know, some had whatever. Um, some, but, but either way, we're all kind of like, yeah, all right, we we're doing all right. 
you know, nice houses, nice, you know, everything's good. Nobody's, uh, you know, nobody's really struggling financially that I, I know of anyways. Um, doesn't mean it's easy because it's like, okay, <laughs> when, you, when you get to a certain point, it's like, well, okay, how do we maintain this uh, lifestyle that I really quite enjoy? Oh, now I've gotten a taste after so many years in the cheap seats at a, at a ball game. Now I've gotten a taste of the club level uh, VIP lounge access uh, seating. How do I make sure that <laughs> how do I make sure that happens every time? And look, I get it too. I think the craziest irony of all this is at some point, <laughs> at some point, like Gen X and millennials are like the younger generations are going to fucking despise. I mean, the millennials, I wouldn't say I get that. Um, the millennials have been sort of like this scapegoat for you know everything that's bad just as the baby boomers have and that's not fair for either of them although one of those generations was the older one that came in to a really good situation as i've just said with affordable everything housing schools food health care cars you know all this shit that's just like okay it's reasonable and uh you know able to get a good job out of college not making minimum wage and able to get a nice house that's you know if you if you it used to be like if you rent that's the way to save money because renting should be (laughs) should be cheaper than owning uh and that's not the case anymore and you have people who are going to be renting forever because they are paying the same amount monthly that is the same or more than people with like a really substantial 400 500,000 600,000 even dollar house. And I'm not talking about it used to be I remember when I was a kid it was like if you want to live in New York City, you're going to pay like $3,000 a month. Like, whoa, that's a lot. And now I do not live in New York City <laughs> or anywhere close to it or even close to Boston, which is also like the most or one of the most expensive. It's like Boston, New York, San Francisco, I think, are the are the top dogs in the United States anyway. Um, but I – yeah, I, I now, now <laughs> my choice. A portion of my childhood dreams have come true, which was what I was like, I don't even know how early, like very early, age 11, 12, I don't really know. Uh, Probably the first time we took a trip to New York City, which I, yeah, I probably would have been 10 or 11 years old. And I said, okay, this is where I want to live, right here, Manhattan, this is it. And that's why my parents were like, well, save your... Save your pennies, kid, because it's going to cost you thousands of dollars a month. And I thought, oh, my God, that's crazy. Thousands of dollars a month. I sure hope I'm not paying thousands of dollars a month. Well, we're all paying thousands of dollars a month, whether we own or rent or whatever. Anybody who's paying under $1,000, anybody, frankly, who's paying under 2000 a month is like, wow, how'd you manage that? And that's not anywhere near New York or any of the expensive cities. But it's like, yeah, it used to be, well, you rent 
for a reasonable amount. And yeah, there have always been apartment complexes, but you know, maybe it was a townhouse or somebody's, you know, had an extra multi-family, you know, the bottom floor or the top floor or something like that. And it's a, it's a reasonable amount. Even when we lived in New York, it was a very reasonable amount. And it was enough that like, yeah, if we stayed here, uh, we could save money. And, uh, and now it's like, no, that's not really the case. <laughs> if you're renting, you're probably going to be renting for a very long time because it's, it's not less than, uh, than the mortgage thing. It's just, it's just, it's just like fucking, you know, leasing a car, right? It's like, it's so easy, even with like shit credit, you can get a really, <laughs> a considerable loan on a car, you know, even if it's, if it has to be like through the dealership or through some shady fucking, you know, 70% interest rate. It's like, Oh, it just, it's yeah. And, and, and then when you think of like a FICO score, (laughs) I think FICO score is younger than I am. And all this stuff, all these, all these metrics that have been produced in just the last few decades that just, you know, make it make everything harder. And it doesn't necessarily mean people are less qualified. It just means they move the goalposts. I think that's the thing. The goalposts continue to be moved. And that that is, to me, the root of why everybody's so angry. Yeah, you and 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 everybody blames somebody, right? Uh, you know, at some point there's personal accountability. Of course, you, you have a certain uh, amount of accountability and responsibility and, and ownership of how your life turns out and the things that you do and the things that happen to you. You also don't have control over every single fucking thing that happens to you. Uh, you know, look, I can admit there's a lot of shit (laughs) that set me back. That's just my fault. It's just I look back and I'm like, oh, why did you do that? We were the wife and I were just talking today about the first time that it was just the two of us having dinner and it cost over a hundred dollars because it was, I think, an anniversary and we were in Florida. We were at that stupid Fulton's Crab House, Crab Shack, or whatever it is. It's like the big riverboat. I don't even know if it's still there. It used to be at Downtown Disney or whatever they call it now, Disney Springs. You're like, oh, that's a neat little restaurant, okay. And you realize it's not that great. The food, I don't remember what I had. I don't remember anything that I ate. I don't remember how it tasted. I remember we were in a big boat that doesn't go anywhere. It's just parked there. And uh, our waiter was very, very nice. Very, very helpful. I'm sure they all are because they're like, you know, probably pulling in an easy six figures uh, with the prices of things there. I remember we were waiting for our table. I ran to the bar to get two glasses of wine, and it was $20. This is like 2005, 2006. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay. (laughs) All right. We're already off to a bad start. $20. We haven't been seated yet, and we have two glasses of wine. Okay. And then our bill was like, again, no idea what we had. I just remember $20 for two glasses of wine, which would be a lot of money now. And back then it was a ton. And, and then just like, you know, oh, let's get to, I don't know, crab cakes and all. Oh, have the surf and turf. I don't, I don't know that I had surf and turf. I don't remember what I had. But it was $120 something dollars. And I wanted to throw up. <laughs> 
like, oh my God. We were talking like, that was like the equivalent. There would have been no difference if they brought me a bill for $120 or for $120,000. The sick feeling would have been the same. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, stupid shit when I think about like, ah, like after I turned 21 and the wife and I, you know, we were young pups and we'd go to dinner at some stupid, you know, Pizzeria Uno and TGI, all the crap ass chain restaurants just to get their overpriced drinks that were mostly just sugar and a little splash of alcohol. And we would sit there like, these taste so good. I'll have more. Like three more, barkeep. Oh, it's just wasted, wasted. But anyways, uh, <laughs> so yeah. There's a level of personal responsibility that everybody has to, you have to fucking acknowledge that at some point. But it is also tough to look at like, yeah, but also uh, my generation, we didn't, none of us got the job, the jobs that we have now. I can't think of a single friend of mine or anyone who's my age, who's working the job now that they had, uh, in the first year or even the first several years out of college. You go back to the other, the previous generations, and that was more often the case than not. And, uh, you know, I think of, like, my parents. My my mom retired in 2009. Now, it's different. When you're a teacher, yeah. I mean, the expectation is you're a teacher and you're going to teach forever. You're going to get your pension but guess what? Nowadays, look at the teach. There's a teacher shortage. There isn't really a teacher shortage. There's tons of great teachers out there. It's just they they finally said, "What the fuck am I doing? I got to do this whole like pandemic thing on top of all the other shit." And now the kids are like crazier than ever, and they're beating the shit out of each other. I'm gonna get fucking killed. You know what? I'm done. Forget it. I'm out of here. Retire early or just up and quit and go to a different. And that's not just teach. That's like every profession. The great, uh, the great resignation. Yeah. And there's a hilarious uh, article. I don't know what the art, what's in the article, but the title. It was from like CNBC or something. And it's like 25% of people who resigned during the great resignation in 2020 and 2021 and 2022 regret their decision. It's like, uh, well, is that actually the story or is it the 75% who have no regrets? (laughs) Like that's just not a thing, right? Like going back to, you know, previous decades. You picked the, you know, whether it was the family business or teaching or, you know, some kind of office job. And, you know, if you just show up and you work hard and the boss is going to notice and you'll you'll reap the rewards. You'll move up the ladder and you'll get the promotions and you'll be executive vice president before you, you know, all that stuff. And look, I worked in, I was a recruiter for a while. The youngsters who were my age came in and they had a million different things on their resume because, you know, you get laid off, thing closes, whatever. And then the old guys who at the time were, you know, 50s, 60s, who had been at the same job for 20, 30 years, and then the company went out of business or they got laid off. And they're really, you know, the young younger people are like, yeah, well, that fucking happens all the time. And the older generation was like, oh, I don't get it. I worked so hard all the And it's like, yeah, who cares? Yeah. Well, you can thank your generation because they're the ones who laid everybody off. 
because when I, you know, and there's been some banks where I work at where it's like these old fuckers who are just useless, useless, have no ability, no, no use for technology, no knowledge of like anything beyond, you know, like 1993. And you look at their LinkedIn, it's like, holy shit, they've been at the same thing since like 1983. <laughs> and of course, you know, and their and their grandfathered into the pension, which hasn't existed in 15 years. Bank of America has a pension. But if you started working at Bank of America after, I don't know, sometime maybe 20 years ago or so, uh, you do not have a pension. So half the people that I knew at Bank of America, and I don't mind calling them out by name. I don't give a shit. I don't work for them. I haven't in a long time. I probably never will again. Um, even though I love, it was actually a great company. I love, it was one of my favorite places to work. Uh, but then when I found out, like I knew coworkers who had been there for whatever, 15 years at the time. And this was, this is like 2013, 12, 13, 14, uh, who had been there for 15 plus years and they all had the pension. And, and I found that out when somebody got laid off and was worried like, Oh my God, I'm going to lose my pension. And I said, you're going to lose your what? Your pension. I'm like, pension? I don't have a pension. What the fuck pension? He's like, oh, yeah, they canceled the pension after, I don't know, 2004 or something. Uh, but I started before then. So anybody who started before then and was uh, vested in the, in the pension and enrolled in it, like, you still get it as long as you still work here. Oh, oh, Okay. <laughs> So they kept it for themselves and they took it away from the younger people. Oh, that's so nice. And they had a pension and then they took it away. And the people before them had a pension and everybody had a nice pension. And now there's no pension. Instead, it's just, here you go. Do the four. And look, 401k is great, especially if you have the company matching. It's all lovely. It's all nice. But it's also nice to just know that like, okay, when I'm done, uh, whether I put money of my own, whether I put a portion of my paycheck in or not, I'm just going to get paid for the rest of my life. It's not a bad gig. Uh, And, you know, I think that's pretty telling, too, of what how shitty it is to be a teacher these days if, uh, you know. All you know, you're guaranteed that you get tenure. You're going to guarantee a pension, and yeah, you get the summer off. I know that's not much in the grand scheme. Everybody's like, "Oh, what do teachers complain about? They get the summer off." Yeah, and they fucking have to deal with like twenty or thirty of your piece of shit kids like every day <laughs> between uh, the end of August and May or June. Oh, goody! But they get eight weeks off. Yeah, well, lucky they are. Um. Anyways, I'll take my, I'll take my four weeks off. I don't even get that, but, uh, well, I used to. I'm a contractor. I get, I guess, I get whatever weeks off I want. I just don't get paid for it. But uh, I'll take half of that and no children <laughs> and their shitty parents to have to deal with. That's the other thing too. It used to be, if a kid was a fuck up in school, it was like, hey, kid, how come you're fucking up in school? Get your shit together. Now it's like, uh, this, this teacher should be fired because she said that my beautiful little baby boy, butter boy, cliffy boy, was, uh, uh, might have a, 
an, a behavior problem. Can't pay attention in class. Never, my precious little prince or princess. And now it is anybody's fault except, eh, so, you know, I don't know where, where exactly that started. That's, that's not, I don't, that's not a baby boomer thing. Because baby boomers would be the first to be like, what did my fuck up kid do? You're fucking dead, kid. <laughs> you listen to your teacher. I don't give a shit. I don't want to hear anything about it. Your teacher's great. I don't care how bad they are. They're great. You're, you're a fuck up. Uh, somewhere, somewhere along the way, probably Gen X, I guess. that would. Who else would it be? Gen X was uh, like, no. I think because Gen X was tired of like, no matter what, <laughs> it was never anybody's fault except the student's fault. So he said, yeah, you know what? Gen X being a counterculture as they are, they said, ah, you know what? I'm going to have kids and nothing is ever going to be their fault. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, uh, what's the point of all of this? I know I'm, I've probably left a number, I, a number of unfinished thoughts per the usual. I hope to get organized someday. But as I mentioned, my Adderall ran out a week and a half ago, and I've tried multiple times to get in touch with the doctor. Be like, can I even wrote a note saying, could you please, could somebody please respond? Here's the situation. Shouldn't I have a refill of these pills? Still no response. So I'm going to have a real interesting conversation when I go in on August 31st. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. Back in the day, you, your, your doctor's office like took care of everything for you. And now you have to do all the work. Uh, call these five suppliers, see if they have any inventory, then call us back. Tell us which one does, and then we'll put in the order for you. Oh, you will? Okay. Well, that's... Seems like a waste of my time and something that you could and should be doing, but okay, okay. Uh, anyway, the whole thing that I'm trying to get to is it's a shitty deal out there. It's, it's just becoming more and more. The difference, the, 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 what is it, the pay gap, the, 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 the wealth gap, what do, you, what do they call it? It's, you know, the gap. <laughs> The, the uh, cons constant and continued erosion of the middle class, which used to make up the bulk of the people. And that's the thing, right? Like, yeah, you, you're always going to have a group that's living in poverty. Sucks, but it's, I guess that's just, it's always going to be there. And you're always going to have very rich people and the very, very, very rich people, the one percenters. And when I was a kid, it was like, yeah, everybody's sort of middle class. Like, if you went to college, you graduated, and you got yourself a good job. If you didn't go to college, you could also find yourself with a nice job. You know, you're working in like a factory or whatever. Uh, it was just like, yeah, you got paid to live, <laughs> which everybody should. And even for the fucking fat pieces of shit out there who think that your fry guy at McDonald's is just, just, hey, fry guy, you know, um, 
this is a, there's a specific person I'm thinking of, but anyway, uh, go fuck yourself. Those people, yeah. You know what? Tell you what. How about everybody that you think is useless and undeserving of a livable wage? How about all those people who make less than a livable wage quit today? And we'll see how much uh, you miss your fry guy. Because even though to you it's just some like pimply-faced teen dipping a basket of frozen fries into a grease pit and throwing some cheese and some other shit on a burger and wrapping it up and throwing it in a bag and here you go. Well, guess fucking what? There's a there's millions and millions of people who do that and we would be kind of fucked without them. As we discovered during the pandemic where people like me uh, got to just stay home and relax in the comfort of our own home and not have to worry about COVID and anything else because we were just... We're locked in our house, but I still get to keep doing my work, doing my job, and getting paid for it. And the people who can't work from home didn't work from home. And guess what? That's also why they all fucking quit. Because you said, we all said, oh, these are the real heroes. These are the real, <laughs> these are the people who really keep things together. These frontline workers, cashiers. And bank tellers and all the people, yeah, working at the fast food places, still cooking food at restaurants and the the delivery drivers and all the people who have to keep on going and they don't have the luxury of doing their job remotely. These are the, let's, you know, let's bang pots and pans for the medical, the nurses and doctors and let's do, uh, you know, whatever. And now, and now it's back to like, oh, you f- this fucking asshole fucked up my cheeseburger order. I'm going to go in and scream at him and try to get him fired. Like, you fucking asshole. You just spent the last two years figuring out how valuable these people are. And the end result is, like, some places have decided, hey, you know what? Maybe we should pay these people, like, $20 an hour, which is still not enough, by the way. It's still not enough, but... <laughs> It's certainly better than eight fifty or eight seven fifty or whatever the fuck, and uh, so there was some good that came out of it, but also not really. <laughs> I don't think we learned anything because uh, the fucking Whole Foods guy just retired or whatever. Uh, I don't know what did he? How many billions of dollars did he make selling to Amazon? And he credits socialism as the reason why nobody wants to work. <laughs> the guy made billions and billions of dollars. Uh, <laughs> and his cashiers are like, you know what? Fuck this. We don't get paid enough. This place sucks. I'm out of here. Oh, socialism. No, actually, actually, capitalism. <laughs> I, know, I know you rich people love that capitalism, but it also it goes, it goes back in the other direction, too. Where shit ain't working out for your employees. You know, the real troops, the real, you guys are the ones who can blah, 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 blah. We're not, we're not going to pay you. <laughs> You're the most important. You're our company's most important asset, which is why we're going to pay you the least amount of money. <laughs> You're so important that we're not going to pay you a livable wage. And then when you quit, I'm going to scream about socialism ruining everything. No, fuckface, you couldn't stay competitive 
And so your people went and found something else that could either make them happier or pay them more, or maybe even both. Uh, I just, what was this supposed to be about Woodstock? Holy shit, I've been talking for this long. Oh my God, I'm sorry. Anyways, so everybody's angry. And they're all angry at, like, the wrong people, most people. I mean, I feel I'm angry at the right people. And when I, and I know it's unfair for me to say baby boomer because at this point they're all retired and it's, it's the next generation in, in, a, in many. Well, no, no, no not, not necessarily. There's still a lot of baby boomers out there calling it. When I think about, like, every place that I've worked in the last however many years, it's still being run by baby boomers. So never mind that. It's still, there's still, you know, there's still the president, there's still CEOs and there's still executives and there's still senators and all this stuff. And they don't want to let go of their fucking 90 year old congressmen and <laughs> clutch to those positions like uh, grim death. Um, Anyway, it's 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 all that. What the fuck is this? Any update on them? Who are you? Who are you asking, stupid fuck? Oh my gosh. Oh man. Anyway, yeah. What a great project manager we got there. <laughs> Pretty sure he's a boomer. He's fucking useless. <laughs> Yeah, fucking useless. Holy shit. Anyway. Um, so there's a lot of reasons to be angry. And people are like literally taking to the streets. And yeah, you know, whether it's uh, destruction of property, whether it's storming the fucking capital and having an insurrection, uh, there's a lot of pissed off people some more justified than others uh but oftentimes you know there's there's some political cartoon i don't know it's just great where it's like either way the 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 point is like we're fighting amongst ourselves but really we we all have the same problem we're just blaming you know one's blaming the other blaming them blah 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 and uh I mean, I guess Woodstock was actually a really good, a really good demonstration, uh, a really good example, case study, whatever you call it, of uh, a bunch of people just coming together to, you know, to say fuck you to to the man, uh, which, you know, now the people who are a part of that 60s peace and love and, you know, material possessions and money and things, that's not what's important. And we're going to make sandwiches and we're going to volunteer at Woodstock and we're going to help each other. We're going to listen to music and it's going to be so great. And da, 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 da. And now they're the ones who have become, you know, the, the CEOs and all that stuff. And they're like, yeah, let's see. We're going to charge this much for the tickets and we're going to do the charge this much for the water. And I know he said like, oh, we left it to the vendors to set the prices. Well, that doesn't absolve you. <laughs> Oh, I told the vendors to just charge whatever. It was up to them. So you can't blame me. <laughs> okay. And yet, you're the same guy who told James Brown basically to go fuck yourself. We're not paying you any additional upfront money until you go out there and perform. 
and you see all those people, they're not here to see you, motherfucker. They're here to see a bunch of other bands. They're not going anywhere. If James Brown doesn't show up, they'll boo, and then they'll move on to the next concert. And this same guy who had no problems, you know, saying, does John Schur, Jeff Schur, I keep, why do I, it's, I think it's John Schur. You'd think I'd fucking remember. Anyway, or Cher, Shear, Cher, uh, the bald fuck in all these Woodstock things. He's got no problem telling James Brown, you know, Godfather of Soul to, uh, to go fuck himself. He's got no problem, you know, standing up to, to whomever. And then, but somehow the vendors, it's like, instead of like, ooh, everybody's really pissed about this $4 water. Guys, you got to set your prices lower. You got you to gotta set a cap at maybe $2 or something. Now, then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I didn't, I couldn't control that. That was up to the vendors. I just, there was nothing I could do about it. James Brown, you go fuck yourself. Either you get out there and play, you son of a bitch. Okay. Same guy. Hey, uh, vendors, you guys set the prices, and I, I won't bother you no matter what price. You know, fuck you. Of course. Give me a break. So anyways, it's all, it's just like the same shit. And the whole fucking 90s thing, like, I love the 90s. The 90s are a great decade. The last couple years, though, eh, I was really very much ready for it to be over by the time we got to the end of the 90s. I love the early 90s. I love the mid-90s. Uh, somewhere in 1997, 1998, it started to just get old. And like, when I think about, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm still a registered, I, I shit on Republicans. I guess who's still a registered Republican since 1998. I have to, I'm just too lazy. I have to, I, I have to do something about that. But, uh, I, I decided, I think I'm going to be a Republican because I thought like, man, Bill Clinton is really like trashed up the place. I I have I still have an incredibly low opinion of Bill Clinton. I think he's a piece of shit. Um. And anyway, he's just a scumbag. <laughs> and uh, and he was a big motivator for me deciding, like, yeah, I think I'll just be a Republican, because the Republicans I knew was Ronald Reagan and George Bush, and I didn't know enough to know what pieces of shit they were. Uh and I remember, like, I'm going to register as a Republican. Okay, I'll send this back. I'm an, There's an R next to my name. And uh, even though I very seldom <laughs> voted, I think, like, once I voted Republican. Anyway, because uh, then I got to see, as much as I hated, like, oh, God, I wish the Clinton administration would just be over. Because, like, I just attributed, again, this is, like, you know, blaming the wrong person maybe to some degree, but... You know, it was just like, it was Jerry Springer, and it was just like, everything just seemed so, like, just trashy by the end of the 90s, and, like, pro wrestling, and that's, everybody kind of like, oh, all the Attitude Era was the greatest era in the history of pro wrestling. Yes and no. Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, Degeneration X. And, you know, a handful, you know, Vince McMahon and the corporate, all that stuff was just, it was magic. It was magic. (laughs) And you never knew what was going to happen every week. But after a certain point, it was just like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just, you feel like kind of like grimy. 
after a after a certain point it's just like everything is just like uh everything's just kind of has the same sort of message and it's just like fuck you and fuck everything and trashy and you know jerry springer was just like it got to a point where it was just they figured out the formula and it's to bring a couple people out and have one of them run across the stage and try to beat the shit out of the other one and then that bald guy comes steve or whatever his name was comes out and separates them and it's just crazy and everybody goes jerry jerry and uh you know there was just like and then you've you've got in wrestling you've got the nwo and you've got dx you know telling everyone you know suck it and fuck you and all that stuff which you know for the most part really probably just led to some you know some suspensions and detentions and you know a good a good dressing down from an authority figure probably not too much else i don't know that there were too many people you know going around spray painting dx uh <laughs> on their boss's car for real or anything like that same with stone cold steve austin it was great instead of just like good guy versus bad guy wrestler now it's the the everyman is the hero the anti-hero is the hero and he's beating the shit out of the boss the owner of the company every week he's living out the dream he's jumping off zambonis he's kicking him in the nuts He's spraying him with a beer. He's, you know, making a, holding a fake gun up to his head, making him piss his pants, filling his Corvette with cement. You name it, he's doing all this fun stuff. And it's like, oh, it would be so great to do that. Uh, and I think just between, like, yeah, the 90s started out so kind of, I don't want to say, like, peaceful. It wasn't, but it was, like, it was just kind of, kind of nice, I guess, kind of just whatever. And uh, and then by the end of it, like everybody was just seemed really pissed off. Like everybody's just everything you watch is just like fighting and stuff. And like you know, UFC is becoming like super popular. Jerry Springer, like I said, and I just yeah, it was, like everything just felt so trashy. And I it's kind of a, maybe a weird thing, but I feel like yeah, Woodstock in some ways was like the culmination of those. Uh, you know, what was building towards the end of the 90s and, you know, stuff just getting more expensive. You're you're seeing things that are just, you know, not the same as they used to be. And then you go to Woodstock and it's just like, yeah, it's it's like a it's like a micro community of like the ultimate corporate greed. Like I said, four dollar water. What is it? You know, <laughs> you get 20 bucks to get like a pizza and a water. Or you can drink the feces water. <laughs> and so people, I, I remember being pissed off. Like, just like, fuck, $4, who the fuck? We're just teenagers. And then it was, and then to hear this this sheer guy be like, you know, this really was just kind of, you know, a lot, like basically calling everyone who went to Woodstock a loser. These are people who, they couldn't get jobs and they weren't going anywhere in their lives and they were mad at, they're trying to blame it on somebody, and so they smashed a place and set it on fire. Like it was teenagers, you bald piece of shit. You fucking took a bunch of teenagers and some twenty-year-olds, and you know people who were in college or fresh out of college, and uh, where your era got out of college and got a nice job right away, and our era got out of college and was like, uh, <laughs> okay, now what? <laughs> What are we supposed to do? Uh, and and so we we said, man, we're going to go see all these great bands perform at this big festival. 
Ticket prices sure is expensive, but you know what? When you think about all the bands you're seeing, the amount of act- the concerts you're going to see over the course, okay, that's actually whatever. And then you get there and it's like, oh, fuck, it's so, so expensive. We're college kids. It's not that we couldn't find jobs. We all, I had fucking jobs. We all had jobs. They're summer jobs. Like I said, that's 100 and whatever the hell it was for the ticket was like, you know, half a week's pay. That's, that's not a small number. <laughs> and I was working in retail. So some weeks I was working 40 hours. Some weeks I was working like 25 hours. You didn't, I wasn't a full time. I asked for as many hours as I could get. That doesn't mean I was going to get them. And then I left for a month to sell Cutco knives and still working at the toy store and came back and they're like, we're not going to give you 40 hours because you keep leaving, going, you're selling knives. And you, what are you doing here? So, <laughs> so it was me and a lot of other people working crappy jobs. Probably if you ask most of the people at Woodstock, all 200,000 of them, I'm sure the majority, they're either still in college, so they're not making any legit money. They're working retail because they're maybe fresh out of college, didn't go to college, still figuring it all out. It's kids. You took kids and you fucking you you drained them <laughs> of whatever funds they had. And you didn't provide enough, you know, for the, for the concert venue to be uh, accommodating in any way shape or form. So you combine the greedy pieces of shit, John Shear and Michael Lang and I don't care how much Michael Lang paints himself as, I didn't really know. I was just peace and love, man. I just, oh, fuck you. you give me a break. You're organizing this whole, con- like, the, and you're just like, oh, uh, shucks. I don't, fuck you. <laughs> fuck both of you. So you, you got these, these assholes running it and, and just price gouging and taking advantage of kids with no money. And you got kids with no money who have spent three days in the relentless heat and blazing sun and 100-degree temps on asphalt. <laughs> no beautiful rolling hills and farmlands and trees and things like that. No. A fucking airport. <laughs> An airport runway with a big stage at the end of it. And... uh and they've been they've literally spent hundreds of dollars in the course of this weekend on what some water and some pizza and some beer and some fried dough maybe <laughs> or popcorn whatever the hell you could buy there and they've uh, you know they've been using porta potties that like the insides and outsides are covered with fucking feces and the muddy waters around them were covered in feces. And the free water, because they ran out of money buying $4 bottles of water every time they got thirsty in that 100-degree blazing heat. Uh, <laughs> the, the free water that they'd fill up tasted like, I mean, like I said, it made me want to vomit. I almost threw up. I fucking I gagged when I swallowed that water because it was, oh, it was so bad. Uh, so... And then you have a fucking thing where you say, yeah, you know what? There's a, there's a surprise. We're going to give you, who is it going to be? Is it Pearl Jam? Is it Bob Dylan? Is it Prince? Is it, you know, whatever. I don't know. Michael Jackson. <laughs> I don't know why people would think Michael Jackson. But anyway, 
I would have fucking loved that. If Michael Jackson came out and did his, his greatest hits, holy shit. Totally different vibe than <laughs> the rest of the show. But, uh, hey, you know what? So is James Brown, and that was, like, the best show of the whole weekend. Uh, but, yeah, a little, little, little weird little video tribute to Jimi Hendrix. And then, it's, and then it's just, okay, guys, thanks for coming. Happy Woodstock, everybody. And then, of course, they hand out candles. What do you think's gonna fucking happen? So, yeah, um, yeah, that, that, that's how it went. You had two, you had a bunch of a couple of greedy motherfuckers who still obviously accept zero accountability and responsibility for what happened. A bunch of fucking dehydrated, exhausted, uh, broke teens. And uh, and a concert that in some ways lived up to an exceeded expectation and in a lot of ways came very, very short. And, yeah, so they fucking they, they wrecked the place. Good for them. That's, I, maybe that's my only regret is I didn't, I didn't do a little, uh, I don't know, something. Throw a fucking piece of wood on the, one of the big fires. <laughs> just something to contribute to that. I just walked through it and observed that wow this is really this is really uh, escalated quickly it was just like a little fire off in the background and now it's a bunch of big ones and uh yeah all right that's what that's how it went down anyway i've been ranting and rambling way too long holy shit and i gotta go and i gotta do a bunch of shit and uh yeah i i, <laughs> I um I don't know. I guess that's it. You, th- you think about how pissed off people are today. And if I hate to say it, but it feels like, you know, you keep you know, a year and a half, two years ago, January 6th, they stormed the Capitol because they were pissed off because they thought an election was stolen, even though it wasn't. They still they thought it was stolen and they acted according to their whatever. <laughs> very stupidly, very foolishly. And now the punishments are being handed out as they should. Uh, and it should go all the way up to the top. Um, and you got people just, yeah, it's just like a, it's a weird, and it's always been this way, but now more so than ever because news and information can travel instantly. Uh, not just, I mean, the, the internet, yes, but just having social media where you can just like, if I want the latest news, I go to Twitter because you just t- – what's trending? What Type in the keyword. I'll go to like CNN.com and it's like – I don't, like, haven't had an update in like 10 minutes. And then you go to Twitter. It's like, oh, okay, this is the update here and there's video of it and there's all this before it even makes it to the news. And uh, yeah, you know, everybody's just really angry and I see a lot I, – I, it's crazy. but I mean I do. I see a lot of parallels to the anger uh, at Woodstock 99 that led to, you know, that place looking like a war zone by the time it was over, by the time Monday morning. I mean, that's the one thing, seeing those the footage of Monday morning, and it's just, you know, it's smoke, <laughs> like turned over, flipped over cars and all the trash and debris and burnt wood and tractor trailers and, you know, cloud of smoke and haze and it just real it's like 
yeah, it looks like a, in like a war movie after the big battle. It's crazy. It looks like a fucking war zone. Literally looks like a war zone. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, looking at that and just, you know, how, how that all escalated so quickly in one weekend <laughs> of just being like first day, like, all right, well, maybe not ideal, but this is just like, wow, it's Woodstock. Look, we're good. Great weekend ahead of us. This is going to be great. Day two, like, oh man, it's really fucking hot. <laughs> I'm really starting to lose my shit here. And then by day three, it's just like, all right, you fucking assholes. <laughs> I just checked my ATM. I got like 30 cents left. I'm going to burn this place to the ground. And uh, I don't know. I, 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 there's a lot of just parallels. Not uh, not in the sense of like, oh, we're going to we're, – we're, well, you know, it hasn't happened yet. But it's like you kind of look at the timeline leading up to like let's say the French Revolution. <laughs> the French Revolution – and the timeline of Woodstock 99 and the things that are happening today with shit being unaffordable and income being too low and all this stuff, there's a lot of I, – I just I, – I see a ton of similarities, don't you? I Like, ugh, because I'm very – I am nervous. Like, whoa, man, what is going to happen? <laughs> uh, will I, – I still – maybe it's my naivete – I still do think that democracy will survive, but I don't know that it will. <laughs> it's the first time ever where, like, oh, is this is this whole thing coming to an end? And and not necessarily with a whimper, but probably with a bang. And I don't like to think of what that bang uh, ends up being, how that bang manifests itself, because it could be really, really, really bad. Uh, you know, worst case type of shit. I don't really want to think about it because it's terrifying. And uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> I guess that's the only difference is Woodstock was like, all right, everybody, let's just burn this place to the ground. And uh, and that's the only difference is now, it, it, you know, if it were if it were more like today, it would be like, uh, you know, two two split factions at Woodstock, you know, going after each other. In this case, in a way, like, yeah, the kids had it right. Like, <laughs> damn the man, down with the, the fucking corporate bullshit, price gouging and taking advantage and greed. And, uh, let's let's set it all on fire. And uh, by the way, I love that one guy in the Woodstock thing, and he was he talking about Rome is burning. Like, oh, you've been waiting. How long have you been waiting? 20-some years to say that, haven't you? Oh, what a clever! I, it's probably only been said thirty million times since nineteen ninety nine, but you are just so proud of yourself. Oh man! Anyway, uh, yeah, it's just it's interesting, and I don't know if that's why. More so than like I said, we're past the twenty year anniversary of Woodstock, so more so than having like, uh, okay, it's twenty years. Let's commemorate Woodstock with some documentaries. I feel it's more like, hey. Look at look at what happened here. Look what's happening now. <laughs> and like, yeah, there's a lot of angry people out there. And a lot of people who feel they have been totally screwed. But the difference now is like they 
don't quite know. Not everybody knows who to blame for that. And uh, that's where that's where things go in a different direction than Woodstock, you know. And uh, I don't know. But it's it's a weird thing to think about. I hope I hope that's not what happens. I'm eh, admittedly nervous. I wasn't nervous at Woodstock. I guess that's the difference. I knew like, well, whatever happens, nobody's coming for me. Like I'm a concert goer too. I got one of these bracelets on. They know I'm one of them. <laughs> and uh yeah, I mean maybe that is maybe that is more similar. You had the bracelet. And not that anybody, not that, I mean, again, people weren't, you know, weren't necessarily attacking other people, just things. It was just property damage, that kind of thing. Anyways, I just feel like there's for sure parallels. And that's why these documentaries of Woodstock are coming out. Cause it's like, Hey, look at, look what happened in three days. Anybody seeing anything, uh, seeing any similar themes to what's been sort of bubbling over the last, uh, however many years. <laughs> on a much bigger level nationally Ugh. i don't know and we don't even i mean if uh you know if america <laughs> finds itself in a civil war we don't even have like at least at woodstock he's left saying like wow we, i can't believe we just saw all those bands <laughs> uh, uh, it's funny because it's not fun i laugh because I don't know, what else can you do? Uh, so anyways, this has been way too long. Holy shit, we're going to have two hours. Oh my gosh. Anyway, I don't know. That's, that's what happened. Woodstock happened. It was, a, it was a great weekend and a terrible weekend at the same time because I do remember the heat and how miserable I was. But I also remember some of the musical performances and that I did enjoy a lot of them, you know, not that much. I, I honestly would enjoy them more now than I did at that time. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing after Woodstock 99, I went to one, <laughs> one rock and roll concert, uh, in the, uh, 18 years that followed. I was like, I I finished Woodstock. I'm like, all right, well, I just saw like a ton of bands, bands, some of them that are awesome that I would never even think to get. I would never have thought like, hey, let's go see James Brown. Well, you know, uh, and I got to see all that stuff. I got to hear Robbie Krieger from The Doors, the closest thing anyone will ever come uh, since Jim Morrison died to uh, – uh, to a Doors concert, and for me, as a huge Doors fan, when I was 13, 14 years old, that was a big deal. As much as I did not want to see Creed, I'm glad we went over and saw Creed, because holy shit, it's it's the closest thing to the Doors. And Scott Stapp did a hell of a Jim Morrison. Uh, anyway... Uh, so there, there, you know, there was that stuff, but I was just, I left there and I'm like, yeah, eh, that's enough. That's enough with concerts. I guess I did see Smashing Pumpkins at the, uh, at the mall. Oddly enough, Colony Center Mall, there was a Smashing Pumpkins concert just in the middle of the mall, right outside of where, 
uh, right outside of KB Toys where I worked. Just it's just a little like in front of Sears. Like what? They had a and and uh, working at the store was great because we had ladders, so we got to set up. We we just set up ladders in front of the store, and my girlfriend at the time, now wife, and I, uh, you know, got up on the ladder, uh, so we could see, and then uh, Double J came and his girlfriend at the time and they got up on another ladder i do believe and we had a bird's eye view of this like smashing pumpkins concert (laughs) that is just happening at the mall for some reason imagine you just like uh i'm gonna run to the mall (laughs) i need some new shoes i'm gonna i'm gonna head to sears (laughs) and then you open the door and you just hear like rock and roll you just hear the sound of guitar like what the fuck and then you just you walk past as you go into the entrance of Sears, and it's like, is that? No, that couldn't be at this mall. Just at the mall? Sure sounds like. Oh, it is the Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, fucking weird. What a random fucking. It's just crazy. Anyway, Smashing Pumpkins just playing at the mall. Um. And then we saw, in 2007, we saw Incubus and The Bravery open for them, which was cool because I was a big fan of The Bravery. I'm a big fan of Incubus, too. And that was a wedding gift. It was a couple weeks after our wedding at SPAC, Saratoga Performing Arts Center. Our good friend Sam, who we we were friends with from KB Toys as well and still remain good friends with. And uh, he got us tickets, and and we went with him. And, uh, yeah. And then I didn't go to another rock concert until 2017 at the Sinclair in Boston when we saw Mew. And then that was like, okay, I want to see concerts again. <laughs> I'm coming out of retirement. It's time to go see a bunch of a bunch of concerts. <sighs> anyway, um, yeah, but I was I was fucking done with concerts after Woodstock '99. I was like, okay, that was a lot. <laughs> And it was like the best and the worst all at the same time. Like I loved it and I hated it and it was great and it was miserable and it was fun and it was excruciating <laughs> and all of those things. And I, you know, I took nothing really away. It was just like, all right, they, I, I was just an asshole. I didn't, I was, like I said, I was more worried about my eBay auctions and am I going to win the auctions on these transformer toys? And, uh, <laughs> Which is probably a big part of the reason that I was also pissed off. You know, I had a pretty tight budget <laughs> as a little 19-year-old retail guy. Uh, you know, pretty tight little income. And I just spent a bunch of money to go to Woodstock. And now uh, <laughs> and now I, I have like, oh, shit, do I, have, I better make sure I have enough money to pay for these auctions that I win. And then the worst feeling was like, oh, shit, what if I do win all of these auctions? Then I, I'm really in trouble. Uh, anyways, at least back in those days, it was just like check or money order. So there was no, uh, it was still a few years away from like the PayPal type stuff, I believe. <sighs> anyway, um, but I didn't see any, any deeper, you know, cultural thing. It was just like, yeah, everybody was pissed off cause it was hot and the water drinks and food cost too much. And so they fucking tore the place down. And the big surprise, there was no big surprise. And, uh, yeah, so everyone's pissed. Uh, according to John Shear, it's, it's uh, the entitled 
youth of the like you motherfucker you made how many millions off of that entitled youth you prick you absolute piece of shit and now you're blaming a, it's just like it was Limp Biscuit's fault. It was the rock band's fault. There were t- corn was just too much, and Limp Biscuit was just too much. It was just too much testosterone and too much rage. And then on top of that, you know who else's fault it was? All the kids that were there. Every these entitled little brats who couldn't have a they didn't get a job, couldn't get a good job, and they're just mad at the world. It was all of those people's faults. But it wasn't the promoter's fault. We put on a once-in-a-lifetime concert, a weekend of peace and love. Uh, yeah, okay. Fuck off. But that's but that's how it is too. Because it's like now the people who are in charge are you know they're happy to blame uh, you know Trump's like oh it's the Mexicans <laughs> like what it's the Mexicans doing what. Some fucking asshole is out of the out of a job because his CEO sold a move the move the plant to wherever to <laughs> to pay people uh, like ten cents on the dollar that they were paying to have uh, here in the United States, and somehow it's like some immigrant's fault. Oh, get the fuck out of it! You know it's Mexico. You know there's all the different boogeymen and. Whatever similarities and differences, that's the similarity is like Woodstock over the course of three days came to a boil. <laughs> Quite literally, it was boiling. Um, and now this shit, you know, everything that's kind of just happening, not, not even just in America, like the world, like people are just so fucking angry and pissed. And I'm one of them too. And uh, yeah, it's like, yeah, it seems just seems to be spiraling (laughs) the snowball continues to roll down that mountain and get bigger and bigger uh but i i I hope i'm wrong anyway i've been talking about this way too long uh yeah and that's the bottom line people felt ripped off and taken advantage of and uh, at woodstock and people feel the same way now and i yeah i feel like shit's gonna get ugly before it gets pretty that's 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 all I can say. I don't know what happened in the aftermath. There was no more Woodstock. <laughs> it was done forever. Uh, I hope that's not the aftermath of whatever feels like it's coming. <laughs> whatever storm is headed this way, or is already sort of here, but just you know needs the right atmospheric pressure to. Uh, to unleash itself, I uh, I don't know what the aftermath looks like, but I'm just some fucking asshole pacing back and forth in his undies, rambling about nothing. So anyway, I I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, change it for the world. I'm glad I went to Woodstock. As as miserable as so much of it was, it was a you know l- truly once in a lifetime because they did Woodstock '94. It's like all right, well you missed that one, you can go to the next one. <laughs> Woodstock '99. There's no next one. Although I still believe, I think that's also half the reason why John Shear is on, like, why they're doing these is like, just like Vince McMahon, they had that XFL documentary, and then boom, the XFL's back after 20 years. And Woodstock, they're just gonna, you know, they'll do it right, but I feel like people are like, yeah, well, Woodstock's done. The brand has been destroyed. It's a, nah, uh, nah. 
I don't, I don't think so. I still think I still say there's gonna be a Woodstock at some point. Uh, you know, the forty year anniversary, maybe fifty year anniversary, I should say. Uh, yeah, fifty. Wait, no, <laughs> we're past that too, aren't we? Of Woodstock, fifty years. It was sixty nine, forty, fifty. Okay, sick. Maybe the sixty. Maybe the fifty five year anniversary, or the sixty year anniversary, or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it's all all great fun, isn't it? <laughs> oh man. Uh, but uh, uh, that's it. That's all. That's all I have to say. Okay, I really do have to go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, speaking of Woodstock, it, after some cool temps, it is fucking hot out there. I can feel it. The heat is back. And a week ago, when we had those first cool days, I said, oh, I'm not ready for summer to be over just yet. I want some more really nice hot days. We can hit the pool. I think because I was stuck inside with COVID, I really still kind of been stuck inside, um, just work and stuff. Uh, it feels like, uh, you know, hey, I'm, I've been robbed of so much over the summer. And then it got cool and felt kind of nice. And now it's hot again. And now I'm kind of in the mode of like, you know what? Uh, okay, I'm ready for fall. <laughs> I'm ready for some cool. There was like an almost cold breeze last night. I said, Ooh, that's nice. And now there's, it's going to be, you know, there's going to be a heat wave 90 something for the next however many days. And uh, yeah, it'll be nice because this weekend, you know, the wife and kids are at the beach right now which is lovely. Nothing like a New England beach. It's too hot to sit in the sand and it's too cold to cool off in the water. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Um, <laughs> but they'll have, trust me, the kids will be in that water no matter how cold it is. They'll, they'll figure it out and make the, yeah, they'll have a good time. Uh, I'm a little jealous, I will admit. But not, you know, I'm okay to not have sand all over me. And yeah, yeah. anyway, uh, so we'll go, you know, we'll hit up the pool this weekend. I don't know what else. I want to see Bullet Train. But now I'm reading the FBI stuff of what a piece of shit Brad Pitt is. And it's like, oh, well, I don't want to give him money. I've never been, a, we're talking about this last night. I've never been a big Brad Pitt uh, guy. I just, he never, I love Interview with a Vampire and, uh, oh man, what, oh, uh, uh, Seven. But I don't really think, of, I think of Morgan Freeman when I think of Seven. And I think of, honestly, I think of Kevin Spacey, another asshole. <laughs> um, and uh, Interview with a Vampire, I, I think of, uh, I think of Kirsten Dunst. And Tom Cruise a little bit. I know Brad Pitt is like he's in it the most, but he's kind of boring his character. Uh, but uh, I've I've and, and Glorious Bastards, one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. It's Tarantino's best movie by far, by far. I just fucking love that movie. And you got Christoph Waltz and like oh my god, and Brad Pitt just sounds like such an he's not in it that much but whenever he is it's just like oh god my, my name is lieutenant aldo montoya no it's not aldo montoya that's the fucking that's the wrestler 
That was Justin Credible's wrestling name in WWE when he wore that jockstrap, the Portuguese man of war, Aldo Montoya. Anyway, he's Aldo, Aldo Rain or something, whatever his name is. And he's just got the dumbest southern accent you've ever heard. I want my scalps. <laughs> it's like, oh, he sucks. Yeah, I'm just not, I've never been a fan. And I've never, I've never, you know, people always are like, oh, you know, I, I don't, I'm not handsome like Brad, Brad Pitt's always like the guy, you know, when, when somebody is like Brad Pitt or Clooney or somebody like that. And I, Clooney, I understand. Leo DiCaprio is like, I mean, you know, that's the gold standard of, of, <laughs> of beautiful males and Brad Pitt. I've never, you know, he's not an ugly guy, but I've never looked at him and just like, whoa, yeah, he's good look. And I, I've, which is always kind of funny to me that he's paired up or was with uh, Angelina Jolie because to me she's like the female equivalent. I've never found her attractive. And I know she's not unattractive, and I know who cares what an ugly fat fuck like me thinks about, uh, you know, beautiful rich Hollywood movie stars. <laughs> uh, but I, I, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of these you know beautiful people that I'm just kind of like, eh, eh, I don't know, I. I feel like I could go to the mall and there's like prettier people. But anyway, uh, not that they're bad looking by any means, but I, yeah, I've always, uh, I've always just kind of, Brad Pitt to me is like, eh, there's always kind of a, I don't know, not a trashiness, but some something that was just like, eh. He's, I think his, I, I think his personality probably just kind of showed up on his face, maybe. And I just never kind of was into him. But anyway, oh, it doesn't matter. Uh, but he's, yeah, he's a big fucking asshole to his kids and all that stuff. So it's like, oh, I do want to see Bullet Train. It does look like a lot of fun, but I don't know. Uh, I also. Uh, I want to get out of the house because I haven't, it's been three weeks since we did get out of the house when we went to New York. Oh, is this a Mike Tyson biopic? What's this? Oh, he's biting it. Yeah, that's Mike Tyson. All right. Hulu. Oh, okay. Eh. Don King's like 90 something years old. Anyway, uh, Jesus Christ. See, I'm off. I'm off my ADHD meds, so it's like back to the, the two-hour podcast has returned, but not for long. Jeez, I'm just, I'm just so, I don't know, just so restless. <laughs> oh God damn it! Okay, yeah. Oh, you need something at three o'clock? Okay. All right. Anyway, I gotta go. Uh, I don't have anything else to say. I really don't. Uh, yeah, watch the Woodstock thing on Netflix. Oh, oh God, I don't know. I don't have the answers to these questions. Stop coming to me for all the fucking. I'm not the fucking subject matter expert. I'm okay. all right. <sighs> Friday, man, it never fails. <laughs> never fucking fails. All the questions that could have been asked Monday through Thursday. Or wait till next Monday. They have to happen on Friday. The questions have to.
have to they have to be asked and they must be answered on friday all right that's it this is way too long i'll see you next time bye